Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... (laughs) (laughs) Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. And Auntie Sade. Okay, ladies. What have we heard? What's in the news? What, 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 what's caught your attention this week? We kind of need to talk about Wiley. You know what? All right. So on, on various levels, it's like Wiley picked up the torch <laughs> from Nick Cannon <laughs> and flipping ran uh, a full-on marathon with it. Like, wow. That was 24 hours of tweets that... I, I don't even know how he got away with tweeting what he tweeted and they were still there for 24 hours. I have no clue, but Wiley Power, I guess. To me, it was like two hands. He was going in on, on his management company. So obviously something has happened there and they've stolen from him and they happen to be Jewish. And then on another hand, he kind of was ranting about the various different things that Jewish people have done to black people in history, which is not taught in the mainstream so a lot of people black and jewish people do not know that this is fact and third lane he was just cussing like a stormtrooper so on the two other lanes that he went on i could understand what he was talking about and in that third lane where he was just cussing like a trooper i don't know what happened to him but my thing is is that actually anti-semitic though is anti-Semitic saying a bad thing about a Jewish person? Is that all you have to do? Like, there's no discrimination, just the pure fact of cussing. It has that whole title. How do you have a conversation about these issues without insulting people and without kind of being careless and being sympathetic to, to all parties? How do you have that conversation in this kind of climate where it seems like even to discuss this and even as we're talking about it, I feel a little bit nervous, do you know what I mean? Because mm. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to insult anybody, but I'm curious and I have questions and I, I don't think I'm exempt from having not necessarily negative but just like I just know that everyone has stereotypes in them do you know what I mean everybody has things that they think are true that are not true do you know what I mean so I don't know because I'm just not well versed in that area I don't know which ones that are true which ones are not true kind of thing but how do I have that conversation without insulting anybody how do you kind of discuss the things that Wiley was alluding to and Nick Cannon was alluding to without being shut down I mean he went left he went left and Wiley does go left but also as well like Wiley has a history of talking about things for himself he didn't have that conversation for the advancement of black people it wasn't that do you know what I mean so let's be real do you know what I mean he's coming from a very kind of like selfish self-centered kind of thing and he's not a spokesperson for me at all either and I'm pretty sure he's not a spokesperson for anyone here to be honest but even in saying all of that there were some things about ownership about ownership about industries that we as a community do well in, that they lie with the Jewish community. And I wonder, like, how is it, if that's the case, I feel like as black people, sometimes we're looking around and thinking, it's all well and good you doing this and great, do that. But where are you for us? Like, we need you to show up. We need support. Do you know what I mean? And you obviously have the power. So support us. 
Do you know what I mean? And I think that there is a frustration there. Just like we need support, like we desperately need support. We need to kind of make sure that these kind of things never happen again. How do we get support from another group that's been taken advantage of and been discriminated against? Everything that you guys are saying. Watching the fallout was quite shocking. To, not, it, uh, it's really mad to say it was shocking because... We're not surprised about things that happen to us all the time. I'm not surprised. I'm feeling the same way because even when we're like, we are definitely going to talk about Wiley, but then it's also, and when we were talking about Nick Cannon last week, it's just navigating that space carefully so that we don't get branded anti-Semitic. And it is what Nana, you said, what is anti-Semitism? Is it using the racial slurs or is it just saying anything about a person who's Jewish? I suppose in the extreme, this is how white people feel when they feel like they're stifled from saying anything about black people. I guess that's the only comparison I can have to the, to the way I'm feeling for a genuine white person who is genuinely frustrated with wanting to say something about what maybe what they see. Maybe they do see a bunch of black guys walking down the street with their hoods up and do feel intimidated. And they saw these bunch of black guys rob someone. Let's go to the extreme. But they feel then stifled to say, ah, in my area, there's quite often a lot of black boys wearing hoods and in that way, robbing and doing stuff. So then how do I talk about that as a way to get involved in this conversation to knowing that there's a bigger problem? So I guess this is the same thing that there's been a long stereotype of, especially from the hip hop, being a hip hop fan, I'll just use that one example. That's the only time I really am conscious of Jewish supremacy in an industry that is made successful by black talent and where there's been always been a Jewish person stereotypically at the top of this food chain and black talent at the other end of it, making this person money. That's why I've seen in the response to Wiley's comments, lots of Jewish people speaking out and rightly so, but they're also calling out Farrakhan and Ice Cube. And I think Ice Cube has been very vocal about talking, especially from the music industry perspective. Mm. And it's just baffled me and made me, one thing I'm comfortable about talking about it and two, exactly that how do we talk about something that does affect us disproportionately does appear to have a hierarchy that is topped by jewish people without then sounding like we're anti-semitic but obviously wiley went way too far with what he said he went above and beyond as he does and i don't know people are saying that he's not well i don't know if he's not well i have no idea because his his videos seem very coherent to me mm -hmm. and actually his videos kind of gave me a little bit of fire in my belly and that's not against Jewish people. It's just the way that he was talking, because I think it's in a black community, we are looking for someone, though we should be looking for it in ourselves. We are looking for that Malcolm X, that Martin Luther King, that person that can just talk any, I'm not saying that's Wiley, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not, no, 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 please God, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that we are kind of missing that person that doesn't give a damn, as, as we're saying, people like 50 Cent, who's willing to challenge and say what they like, because we're so often used to, anyone that goes against the grain gets taken out. Any way, shape or form, we get shut down. So it's kind of like, there was a little bit of, I kind of liked Wiley's vim, but I think he went too far. I don't know, there's a lot of feelings I feel in this situation. It's, yeah, it's a very confusing time at this point. I think we all feel a lot of confusing things in this situation, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. We're censoring ourselves because we don't want to appear a certain way. But for me, what's been interesting, if you, t if you remove this foulness, because it was foul that yeah. came out of Wiley's mouth, but if you yeah. remove yourself from that, 
I think the difficulty for us as black people is looking at the response to that type of racism. You know, it's people have come out very quickly and done all these things and said all these things about what has happened. And, but the response is never the same in terms of the power behind the response as it is when something happens to a black person. So I don't think it's that we're agreeing with Wiley because we're definitely 100% not agreeing with him. I don't agree with him in general, in life anyway. (laughs) I most definitely don't agree with the shit that he was spouting uh, on this occasion. But it is literally just, and I think the Nick Cannon thing too, is just looking at the response to that type of racism. I think we can all say that have we had an apology for slavery a proper we haven't so i think it's things like that when you look at one scale there is a hierarchy when it comes to how racism is dealt with and we are always at the bottom of that always at the bottom of that so i just think that's what's been interesting just seeing how these things have been dealt with because let's face it there are people out there that have said some shit on twitter some proper derogatory nonsense Mm. online about black people they say every day like donald trump the president of the united states exactly. says some mess daily about mexicans about you know all these different races and his tweets do not de- get deleted or mm-hmm. if they do he doesn't get banned like how long did it take for katie hopkins to be banned exactly. how much yes. shit does she have to say before it got to that position and again i am not justifying what wiley said i'm just saying it's interesting looking at the response of how it's been dealt with. That's what's interesting to me. It's just like, can you not see that it's similar? Can you not yeah. see that? I was thinking like, as I'm scrolling through and seeing the amount of celebrities come out and condemn him, which I haven't seen anywhere for years, but Pat Sharp was the one for me. I was like, Pat Sharp tweeted about Wiley condemning him. Really? Like, <laughs> I was going through and I was like, people, I felt like I was going mad, but was also intrigued at this social experiment that Wiley had presented before us. Like, it was very interesting how quickly people had jumped on this without actually following his thread, going through the tweets, and really seeing this dude is aiming it at his former manager. Really, this whole rampage that he's gone on is directed at one person and one company who he says, he alluded to, has stolen four and a half million from him. But remember, it's one guy on Twitter who isn't even really that influential anymore. And he hasn't beaten anybody up. He hasn't killed anybody. But I didn't see that same energy when we all saw a policeman kill George Floyd. It took a moment before that groundswell happened. It wasn't immediate. And even the media blackout that is currently on at the moment, 48 hours of this in a a day to respond to it. And it's just like, it's quite triggering. As a black woman, I find this really triggering, this this whole situation, because I'm watching things and it's like, you really, you, you still don't care about us. And you're showing this in this moment again. Like, it's the same type of thing. This is just one man chatting shit. We've had years of Katie Hopkins chatting shit she was getting newspaper deals she was getting radio deals it's okay when it's us but when it's somebody else and it's just the might of this will and seeing it and again at this moment it just felt like 
this too is another way to detract from the black plight. That's how I've seen it. It's just like this too is another way to see that it doesn't matter what happens to us, somebody else's oppression will be more oppressive than the 400 odd years of various things from slavery to colonialism to to Jim Crow to flipping poll tax to not being able to get a loan like all of these things it still doesn't warrant anybody else being like you know what this is out of order and we do need to have these conversations with other people who are a part of the oppression scale like everybody needs to step up and be and and pay some reparations like everybody because you have become millionaires and billionaires off of our labor and it's not okay it's not okay to when somebody calls you out on it to be like that's anti-semitic it's not okay to run with that a real conversation has to happen the response time was was intense basically my feeling is that's how it should be that is absolutely how it should be but across the board do you know what i mean and and that's what i think that as as black people and as you know i can only really speak for myself do you know what i mean because we're not a monolith at the end of the day it just makes me sad to know that that's not going to be the case like i'm seeing like rappers and stuff like you know dutch Rally, whatever his name calling this out i mean like you can't even get a rapper to respond to colorism yeah but you're calling this out like do you know what i mean like are we all right? Like, do you know what I mean? like, so where is that? Where is that vim for us? Like, of course, that is exactly the response. That's how it should be done, hundred percent. Shut it out. Shut. Stamp it. Stamp it the fuck out. To be honest, like immediately. But it needs to happen for us as well. Like, what's her name? Katie Hopkins. Not even on Twitter anymore. The other day, she's doing up hijab and mocking, um, what's that girl? You know, because she wants to get her British citizenship again now, yeah. kind of thing. And she's putting on a hijab and mocking, mocking the thing. Like, is she all right? Like, do you know what I mean? Where is the outcry? Where is Pierce Morgan condemning her? Where is that? It's so frustrating. I can't even get my words out. I'm so angry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it's just so frustrating that even it does, it seems to me, to me, honestly, if you're black, or you're Muslim, your plight doesn't really matter. That's what it feels like. It's like you can you can take a swipe at them, that's okay. But you can't take a swipe at anybody else. That's what it seems like. And it's, uh, I just find it really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting was um, when Wiley said the police were sent, 12 police were sent around his house, that was a bit like, Part of me was like, so, but to do what? What did they do? Did they go and knock on his door and say, yes, so you sent... And Because as if I was Wiley in that moment, I would have been busting up at their faces. I would have been laughing. Like, what are you doing at my door? What exactly are we going to do? You're going to take me down to the nick and do what? Because what is going to be my charge? Exactly, really. Because I don't even think he's... I don't think he's been charged. I don't think anything's happened. I don't think he's so. No, no, because he spoke so, afterwards, so... Mm. It's just, he just turned up at his door. And it's just all this symboliz- symbolism that we are taking in and it's just reinforcing no matter what and I agree with you Shada this is how it should be this is how we should be should long been this where the minute anything's said about black people this shit gets shut down and locked off quickly with the quickness but it goes back to us not having maybe a body or an institution or a thing because I saw you know you've got the rabbis who are emailing the heads of Twitter confidently and Facebook confidently saying listen within 48 hours we need to take action because their power is so great the power is so great and respect is so great that 
the rabbis, your religious leaders can just email and say, listen, try, try me. When, when, and then, then, but then it's like, and again, I might sound problematic, but then it's enhancing the stereotype that Jewish people have superpower in this world. That, so then when someone says that Jewish people have power in a way that is supremacist, is supremacist-like, then that's anti-Semitic. However, the fact that you've got all these leaders that can just email confidently say, listen, you know what we can do. That's basically what you're saying. We will shut this shit down. And everyone believes that. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, it, it, I, I feel, I felt like that. I was watching, as I watched it, it was, I was incredulous. As I watched it, I was kind of shocked. I was kind of, and there are a few black people because I think I saw some groups, some people were standing by Wiley and then the minute they stood by Wiley, they were called anti-Semitic and people then, you know, cropping out bits where Jeremy Corbyn thanked Wiley during his campaign whenever Wiley bigged him up. And now they're saying now that Jeremy Corbyn's anti-Semitic. Obviously, he's been long called anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah this, he this has. This, yeah, no, this, exactly. This is enhancing the fact that now he's yeah. most mm. definitely anti-Semitic, <laughs> even more so because he's got anti-Semitic friends. It's just, um, <laughs> it's just weird. I, I, but I get the frustration. It's frustrating, and I, yeah. and we just don't have the same power. And unfortunately, we, we're not at a point yet where we do all stand together in our train of thought and action. We're just not there yet. It's interesting that rappers came forward and said stuff when at the same time, a few of them were saying, just because I haven't committed on all Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that I don't believe Black Lives Matter. So it's tiring to see and to just have to repeat ourselves again in a sense of, can you not see what's done to us why is it taking you so long to act upon things that are done to us why is it okay for people to say these sort of things about us what makes that okay like why is the police not going to katie hopkins house for wearing a hijab she's mocking a whole entire community of people why are they not going to her house i can name a bunch of other people who then who haven't had police go to their house for any particular reason it's interesting to see how things yeah. are dealt with most definitely. I think there's an interesting point just between religion and race and when those are yes. combined together and being able yeah. to kind of like galvanize that power and stuff. And I think like for us as a people, we don't really have that connection because our religions come from outside of our community. That's the thing. So you can't get all priests together because they're not tied to race. Do you know what I mean? So they will have differences of opinions. I'm being quite general here, but yeah. I think people understand what, what I'm trying to say in that sense. We're not saying that Jewish people don't suffer. Do you know what I mean? We're not saying that they don't face discrimination. We're just saying that the response to it is much more powerful than if a black person in the same situation were going through it, that the response would not be the same. There's so many examples of that on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not even worth mentioning one, like, because yeah. like, it's just, it's just the standard. It's just the norm, you know? And I think that was partly what Wiley and Nick were saying, basically in their point. Um, there's a couple of comments on uh, Facebook, if you don't mind me yeah, yeah, going through yeah. them. So Nicola Millington asks, so says, my question is, can a Jewish person be a white supremacist? It is a discussion point I think needs to be answered, not even just here, but in society as a whole. 
Kaz um, Michelle Stringer says economic power is crucial for the black community. You know, like when we had back in slavery, post-slavery or during slavery, when we had um, black people who had passed because they were that light, they would pass for white to survive. This happens in the Jewish community too. So mm-hmm. there's the ident- easily identifiable Jewish people. And there are people, I think I was talking about this with my daughter, and she's like, I don't think I know a Jewish person. I said, you'd be surprised. There are probably loads of people who are Jewish that you've come across, but you just mm-hmm. don't recognize them as that because they don't have the visible traits of what um, a Jewish person stereotypically looks like. And I don't think I necessarily know that either. And I was having a conversation saying, I genuinely, in my world, don't feel like I know. I, there are some slurs but I didn't even take them as slurs because unfortunately the stereotype about them, and it's mostly about finances, mm. rang true because that's the stereotype that's in society. So that's where I understand anti-Semitism. And if, you were, if I was Jewish, I would be really pissed off at the things that are stereotypes out there in the community. However, I don't, even me myself, I don't know if I could possibly, maybe apart from going by surnames, really recognize every single Jewish person that I've come across. So in that, there are white Jews who have passed. And then if you pass, you're automatically accepted into a space where if you're that way inclined, you will become a white supremacist. And white supremacist sounds like KKK. It's not that. It's someone who's in power and their race keeps them in power and can dictate things and are afforded a privilege that others who are not white or white, white looking are afforded. So I think yes is a short answer, but I don't know... <coughs> Apologies to anyone who is Jewish who said thinks that that response anti-Semitic. You know, it would be if anybody's listening to this who happens to be Jewish and has a firm opinion on this that is contrary to what we're saying. It would be great to actually have a discussion with somebody who can put their views forward that is contrary to this. Because watching Nick Cannon's class with the rabbi, none of his points were answered. So basically, that's just 40 minutes of Nick apologising and the rabbi stating Jewish history from his perspective. That's not actually having a real conversation with somebody about the hierarchy and the systems that are in place in various industries that are keeping Africans and African descendants lower and in a worker situation and not being paid fairly. So I I really do think there's a real conversation because we're going to keep on having this cycle going round and round without real conversations taking place so that an understanding of each person's position can be expressed without it being like I'm I'm going at you when actually it's just like it's, it's, it's a form of communication. I think we're able to have talks now with white people who understand the black experience and how they can be an ally and how that works i'm still yet to see that really taking place with people in the asian community and and jewish people because they also have a form of oppression done to them and then we do start running in the oppression olympics and really i don't think anybody has the 100 meter sprint that they can take from us like you you had shit done to you and people have had shit done to them. Even in recent times, people in Bosnia, Yugoslavia, um, Rwanda, there are lots of people who have had millions of people killed in recent times in our history Mm -hmm. now. So there's lots of us that can talk about things, but actually let's go through the system 
of oppression that is still to this day and have real real talks on how we can change this so that we do have equality and equity passed to us like we don't we're not going to have equality by name alone it's equity money needs to be placed in african hands so that we have a level playing field to actually be expressive and and take part in this society properly because millions of people billions around the world are actually losing out on the advancement of the human race because there are so many people that are being oppressed. I think we all get why it's unrelenting in terms of like not having this kind of rhetoric present itself because it is just so dangerous and they understand it to be so dangerous and because of the oppression that has happened to Jewish people over centuries and I think that we understand it because we've also gone through something, you know, not the same, but similar. So that's why it's so important that we all join together and kind of use our collective forces to make sure it never happens again, period. Next headline, please. As it was kind of mentioned, um, I came across the whole visa. It's the young lady that the, went the to... The 15-year-old that went yeah. to Syria oh, and Syria, now wants it. to come back in. As a British citizen. Yeah, intrigued to think what you guys think the government should do. If she should come back in, or I guess there's three ways. Should she come back here, or should she go to the country of her parents' birth? I think it's Bangladesh. No, I think it's Pakistan. Or should she go there? Okay, Auntie Lena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. I was like, the government are very wary of setting a precedent. So that's why they didn't want her to come here and they, they were saying that she should go. Is it Bangladesh, did you say? I think it is Bangladesh. It could, yeah. but at the same time, at the top of my head, I feel like it's Pakistan. But let me just look it up. That's quite a loaded question because you have to look at the whole case. I think with her, she was 15 when she went. She'd clearly been groomed. And she, as a 15-year-old, she was groomed. She went there. She had, I think, three children. All of her children have passed. She's 20 now, right? The change in normal teenagers from the age of 15 to the age of 20 is vast. You do so much growing up at, at that time. So her, what her thoughts and beliefs were at 15 and even the experience that she had when she went over there was probably a lot different to what she thought. She's now at the point where she wants to come home and be with her family. I don't know. I can say yes on one hand. She should be allowed to come back here because she's a British citizen. It, it's amazing that they can even take her citizenship away. But there's people that they haven't done that with. So mm. I, I feel like that's why they're like, they don't know what they want to do with her. They just know that having her here will mean that it's harder for her to leave. But I just think that at 15, <laughs> I know what I thought about life at 15. And I most certainly didn't think that when I got to 20. And I never went through the stuff that she's gone through. Her, her name is Shamima Begum. I think that she's a British citizen, to be honest. I think that no matter what her... God, I know this is, this is difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's been like, we live in a de democracy. We do have freedom of speech here. Like, no matter what her beliefs... Do you know what I mean? She's British at the end of the day. And, like, I agree with Auntie Farah. At the end of the day, she was so young. I remember seeing the interview with her and I just thought this is irresponsible for the journalist to do this, to be honest, because he was talking to her like, like an adult, mm. you know, who's making him for not someone who, he, which seemed clear to me was maybe coerced or 
abused or oppressed in some sort of way, do you know what I mean, to even be put in that situation in the first place. Unfortunately, in this country, when people are not white and blue-eyed and blonde and stuff, do you know what I mean, they're not afforded the same sort of sympathies. It's a difficult one because at the end of the day, can't support terrorism at all in any shape or form. But if she's reformed herself, then I don't think there should be a problem with it, to be honest. However, what her life will look like if she comes here, I really don't know. I'd be concerned for her safety, to be honest, because, yeah, Islamophobia is rife, man. It's not a joke. At the same time, you know, it's like as black people, obviously, we're in the limelight at the moment with Black Lives Matter. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that Islamophobia has gone away. She was 15 at the time. Did she actually commit any acts of terrorism apart from vocalising her thoughts about the West? Um, I'm not saying that's a minor thing because you can be very extremely influential in the words that you say. But she was 15. I was trying to look and compare it to the Jamie Bulger murderers and she didn't murder anybody. Mm. So I'm not saying it's on a par, but if for any reason her manipulation led to some sort of bombing or something, I don't even know. It's not comparable, but it's just the way that people react to young people who do things that are really heinous. It's really bizarre to me. I, I, I feel Mr. like, you know, for Damon Lola's Taylor parents, his killers were like 15 or mm. so. And as a black woman looking, knowing how society handles young black people, young black boys specifically, I have a level of empathy for boys. Not a lot because, you know, not everyone who comes from a fresh background does go out and murder and go on road and do all that type of stuff. But I also understand what's got them to that place in a sense. So I just wonder at the human beings lack of empathy when it comes to young people who've got themselves into shit and are so quick to treat them and just to say they're grown adults with a sound state of mind. But this is the thing where all sorts of things in this country are, you can't have sex until you're 16, but you can drink, you can't vote. You know, all these type of weird rules that come in just because it's, it kind of makes sense to place these placeholders at certain points of your life when, Looking back, I know that I don't take my daughter seriously at 20. I don't think she's grown. There's things that she might, she's starting to evolve. And as far as says, you go through so much changes, you could be a really wise, sensible 15-year-old or a dumb 15-year-old, but also yeah. there are people who are 15 who are super mature. And then you've got grown-ass people who are our age who are like, oh my God, you need to go and talk to this 15-year-old because they've got more sense than anything you have to say. So it's just, so I think she should um, be allowed to come back and she should be, more, if anything, monitor her. Keep, maybe she should, you know, what's it called? Um, uh, what do you call it when you get into a hidden programme? Witness, oh, witness protection. Oh, witness protection. She should be in protection some way. Or maybe witness because she's not witnessing anything, but she should be in some sort of protection. Mm. And what I was going to say, which is not funny, but kind of funny, how many of them people who are cussing her, telling her she shouldn't get back, will be able to recognise her anyway? Because we all look the same. Do you know what I mean? Can they tell one brown person from the next? There's going to be an element of her walking down the street. They're not actually going to know it's her. It's a bit dramatic, the way that these people are reacting. But she should be protected. She'd be able to fight her cause. And they've monitored for some years and then let her live her life because she's a British citizen. It's a really murky waters to be removing citizenship because someone done something mm -hmm. bad in this. If you're a foreigner immigrant, you come in and do something wrong, above sis, you know, go back to where you came from. That's a fair point for a country that's trying to keep their country in control. But if you're born here, you do some shit, you don't then just dig into the person's heritage and say, well, actually your parents are, mm. and then mm. go back to that country. That's dangerous. And that's dangerous for everyone who's not white. That's really dangerous. Because if yeah. I have a 
moment and I want to go down the street and start doing something like <laughs> calling, you know, and then you're going to tell me to go back to Ghana. I, I'm, Ghana's all right, but still, that's not, it's not right. I was born here. So yeah. you shouldn't be able to remove my citizenship just like that because I've done this, something. This leads on to my story then, because have you guys heard about the twin boys that are in jail at the moment and they've been given deportation notices to different countries? Yeah, one's been giving um, a deportation notice to return to Grenada and one's been given a notice to return to Dominica because like me, one parent's from Dominica, one parent's from Grenada. So they're both serving um, sentences for GBH, uh, separate crimes at separate times, but they were both born here. So it's not as though they came over, (sighs) you know, in the 80s and they never got their citizenship their parents came over like my parents came over and they were born here like I was born here so what are you trying to tell me like even though I hold a British passport and I've got a British birth certificate are you trying to tell me that if I go and commit a crime you can ship me back to one or the other and it's the fact that they're twins and they're sending them to different countries that neither of them have even been to Basically, that, that was going to be my point with the, the Shamia case is, for me, she absolutely should come back because if you can strip people's citizenship, like we've seen with Windrush, give it a little while and something, something goes down in this country, they will do that to us. And it, it's not even being alarmist. Like, this taking place we all need to be really like watching how this plays out because again the i I saw the twins and they were born here so to me they're british citizens why are you deporting them anywhere generally prison is full of flipping black people but Mm. (laughs) you know it's like why is it that these two men specifically you have decided really cannot come back out into society and they they need to be deported although they were born here I think that's really strange. But again, you know, we focus on American criminal justice, but ours is as shitty as theirs is. There are people that are handed indefinite sentences for GBH and then they never come out of prison. So I guess for these two guys, the small merit is that you're going to be released, I guess. But people are fighting for them as well because it yeah. is, it is um, it's an infringement on all of our liberties. People fall foul of the law for various reasons and it doesn't mean that you then can be placed in a country that you have no relatives in, don't know where you're going, have no money and you need to fend for yourself somewhere else that you don't know of. That doesn't make any sense. Um, how old are the twins? They're 24. It, it matters, but it doesn't matter their age anyway, because if they were young, people would be saying the same thing. Like, and people who get behind this, like, yes, yeah, send them back. When we're talking about we don't feel British, we don't feel love, there's racism in this country, and these people want to say, oh, no, England's really welcoming, the UK's welcoming, there is no racism, it's, we're all one culture. Watch the, the split second, the split change of these people when they, I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there saying, yes, yeah, send them back. They should go back. Go back. Go back to where? Because they're born here. So you're definitely defining the fact that my skin colour means that this is why I don't claim this country. And call me whatever the word is. I don't claim this country as mine. I was born here and I love the British black culture of being here. And there are some things about being in the UK and from the UK that I am proud of. But I cannot claim this country because of shit like this. 
the fact that you're telling these two boys and you're splitting up twins. That is some sort of barbaric. Not that's not the crime is their crime. Their crime is their crime. Do they're the crime in prison, being punished. They're in prison. <laughs> what else do you want to do? And the fact that they're twins makes it even more. It's a freaking beautiful headline, isn't it? Twins separated and sent back to their Caribbean country. It's, it's so dirty. And anyone, and I, I've heard black people kind of like saying, get Shamima back as well, because you forget, they forget, they forget that you are a part of this thing. So <laughs> yeah. get, get behind mm. and vote for this, this move. And then trust me, you'll be on the same plane with her. So, so <laughs> play these games. This is, that's, I didn't hear about the twins. That's, that's even made me more incensed. That's, Freaking dirty. That is dirty behavior. The other, yes, the utopia is like you go back to your country, go back to where you come from, minute, and really thrive in your home country. But this is fundamentally on principle taking a fucking piss. I don't know. I feel like I just heard this through the grapevine, but like I thought that like the, the rules changed in terms of like whether you get automatic um, citizenship in this country if you're born here. So mm-hmm. if their parents weren't mm. necessarily, maybe then. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> but if no, they weren't you're legal... Right. Because uh, someone that works for me, they had a, a similar scenario where they were born here, but because they were born between a certain period of time, because it's not ongoing, it was a mm-hmm. certain period of time you had to be born that you didn't automatically get citizenship, wow. even mm-hmm. if you were born here. So with these boys, their mum was from Grenada and their dad was, is Dominican. So the mum, when she was here, she didn't get citizenship. And Mm -hmm. she died when they were 13. So right Uh, there is a reason why that process didn't happen. And also, a lot of people, including the person that works for me, you take for granted. They don't know that, oh, I'm not a citizen. If you're born somewhere, you automatically assume that you're a citizen. So you've Mm -hmm. got to assume that these little boys, when they were 13... It wasn't even something that they probably considered. Their dad left and returned to Dominica, so it's not as though they were raised by their parents and their parents could do due diligence and, and work out their the nationalities and all of the citizenships and that sort of stuff. So this is such a fully loaded thing. But what's interesting about this is that clearly these children have gone through it. These men now. Clearly they've gone through something. And yes, Auntie Nanny, you're right. They're serving their time. So are you going to go into these prisons and you're going to find all these people from all these various backgrounds and return them home? Is that going to happen? So if there's Irish people or people from, you know, Mm. I don't don't know, or from wherever, are you going to do the same thing to them? I I highly doubt it. I I highly doubt it. It's just interesting, again, the type of shit that can be bestowed upon us because of the colour of our our skin. You know, they're they're serving for GBH. They're not alone. That's what I'm saying. Do you know how many people are serving time for GBH? Yeah. Who would be the first white person for this to happen to? And let's see how the reaction is then. We really need to focus on the government because (laughs) think of all the people in Australia. That's basically what they did with the first settlers were in prison. So I I don't know what type of human (laughs) is running the world, but I wouldn't put it past them to do this shit. Like literally for some reason that they have, and this is the thing it's like it's not even just a black thing they'll do what they will with us while we're here but once we're not here and we're not at the bottom white people don't think that they won't come for you as well it's like they don't care really color means nothing it's just human bodies it's just asking color at this moment and that's the thing that i really would hope more people understood that this unfair treatment affects everybody because 
it's only a matter of time before it comes your way. And also, if we all decided to leave, like us second generations, you know they would stop us going. They would do something to stop that mass exodus happening. But my sister moved to Ghana, and I don't even think this was by coincidence because it became a thing to go back to Ghana because there were so many opportunities there and the GDP was growing really fast. So lots of people were going. We was even considering going. Lo and behold, light off starts. You need a generator. You can't have electricity 24 hours a day. That stops your work. So then people stopped going back. And it's like, they do these, you, you know you don't really want us all going back home. Because for one, if all of the Asian people went home, who's running the corner shops, please? Who's running KFC? That's what I'd like to know. So with regards to Shamima, Kaz says, my only concern is she still a threat or has the same mentality. And then also goes on to say that two of James's and Demilola's killers have gone on to reoffend again. Mm, yeah, so it's yeah. really to assess the threats to the wider to wider community. I think that's a fair point. Um, Nicola says, like Auntie Charlotte says, if she was white, uh, it would feel differently. Um, but if we were looking at it from a simplistic way of thinking, she was born in the UK and Bangladesh is part of the Commonwealth. So, so it's part of the British Empire. Carla Brown says, actually, the one twin was given deportation to the wrong place. It should have been the Dominican Republic. Zell Sugar says that's what they wanted to do, build more prisons in Jamaica and send more Jamaicans living uh, back there. Mm-hmm. Carla Brown says what makes it worse, though, is that the twins had problematic childhoods. They were raised in the care system um, oh, and were. the care system yes, neglected to sort out their passports when they were under their care. All of that is about, we have a shitty prison system anyway. The pipeline to prison is just a back and forth. It's, there's no care. and I, I, that's, Prison reform is not a thing um, in America or over here. It's just this whole keeping them un, under the ground, keeping them doing this, you know, manual labor for whatever pence, just to manufacture things and stuff like that. And to keep the status quo, keep these people in jail and just dump them. I'm really, really 100% about prison reform. So I hate that people go to prison and don't get the care that they need. They don't get the support to better themselves. They're just dashed in prison and they're expected to come out and be right with the world. And especially when you were sitting in an environment where everyone's kind of informing you how not to be the best. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To be in prison and come out righteous and knowing what to do. And then when you get out, it's so hard to move on to the next steps. You're, you can't get necessarily a job in, in a way that you want to get a job. You're not trained, you don't have the skills. And especially, you know, we know people that have been spent a lifetime in jail and it's harder every time you go back to jail, it's harder to stay out of jail. You just default to what you know. You know, we're expecting people to be superhuman and super clued up. You come out of prison and you'll never do it again. It doesn't work like that. You need the guidance. Everyday people need therapy. So what about someone who's been to prison on the back of coming from an oppressed background, which m- most you know, working class criminals don't have it good. Do you know what I mean? They're not going into crime because they really want to, even if it seems like they've got options, even if they do maybe have a mum and dad in the house, a mum and dad was working, there are still elements about being working class on the lower rungs of society that makes it so easy to get um, on the prison pipeline. In regards to um, Shamima, she can't just come back over here. I think have an element of probation, if that be the case. Have her, someone assigned to her to kind of watch her. I I mean... I don't necessarily think that she should be released back into the country like that and just go on because we know there is an element of what she's been through. We don't know how her brain's righted, if she's had the adequate 
therapy or processing to get rid of the thoughts that she had before. We don't know. For all we do know, she's coming back and it's all a ruse. And then she's, you know, she might be then the next terrorist. Who knows? We don't know. But what we, what we do know, she was born here, get her ass back here, and then just have her supported, protected, protective custody, and have a probation officer and see what happens. Monitor her for so on and so on and so on. I don't know how long it will take. If she's showing tendency, maybe then re re revisit it. But at this point, you need to get her back and let her have her citizenship and prove it. Give her a chance to prove that she's changed. I keep getting calls today. No one ever calls me. I'm getting bare calls. What line? No, not sexy line. It's just calls. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted have to. Have you been involved in an accident? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I mentioned it last week. I read that the fertility rate, there's been oh, a yeah. jaw dropping global crash in children being born. This is just uh, from a BBC article, and it said the world is ill prepared for the global crash in children being born, which is set to have a jaw dropping impact on societies, says researchers. Falling fertility rates mean nearly every country could have shrinking populations by the end of the century. And 23 nations, including Spain and Japan, are expected to see their populations halved by 2100. Countries will also age dramatically with as many people turning 80 as there are being born. Um, the average number of children a woman gives birth to is falling. If the number falls below approximately 2.1, then the size of the population starts to fall. In 1950, women were having an average of 4.7 children in their lifetime and i guess we're not doing that anymore what is it now two i do you know it doesn't even doesn't even finish the article in that way oh okay <laughs> evaluation said the global fertility rate nearly half to 2.4 okay um, what are these points it, it's true i know but it's not yeah. <laughs> it doesn't That's even make sense saying. it's just two in it two yeah, two, two or three yeah. children two or four or five yeah. <laughs> um as a result, the researchers expect the number of people on the planet to peak at 9.7 billion around 2064. Obviously, we'll still be around doing aunties could never. Grannies. <laughs> <laughs> um, before, <laughs> before falling down to 8.8 .8 billion by the end of the century. It's nothing to do with, apparently, it's nothing to do with sperm counts or the usual thing that comes to mind when discussing fertility. Instead, it is being driven by more women in education and work, as well as greater access to contraception, leading to women choosing to have fewer children. So... <laughs> You know what that is? That's a nice, mm -hmm. nice round up into conspiracy theory. They're trying to get us to Handmaid's Tale. You don't watch the Handmaid's Tale? Yes. That's where of we're course. headed. Of course. That yeah. is where yeah, we're yeah. headed. They like to blaming us. However, I have known a few women who've banged out kids, but maybe it's not as commonplace amongst my peers that, you know, we're having three, four, five children because society's so bad, so difficult to raise kids in this, in, in this world. You've got things to consider, like the fact the world's a bunch of shit, poverty is real, and all that stuff. But yet they're blaming us for the falling fertility and rates. What say you, ladies? Look at the world; they want us to raise children in. Are, are they okay? Like, serious. You know how expensive it is as well. So I'm not surprised. But then also as well, I don't think that this this story is not for us. It's not for black women. This is for everybody else because. <laughs> Because like no, because when you look at when you look at countries like Nigeria, is the population is very very young. Go on, say. When you finish, I was going to read a bit. They they've got they've highlighted the point about Africa. Just go on. Oh, oh, have they? Yeah. 
We'll go and say it then. Okay, yeah, go on. What, what does it say about Africa? It says in the article, what about Africa? Oh, okay. <laughs> the population of sub-Saharan Africa is expected to treble in size to more than 3 billion people okay. by 2100. And the study says Nigeria yep. will become the world's second biggest country with a population of 791 million. Yeah. Professor Murray says, we will have many more people of African descent in many more countries as we go through this. Global recognition of the challenges around racism are going to be all the more critical if there are large numbers of people of African descent in many countries. Go back to Shade. Sorry. Cool. So yeah, just to finish my point, <laughs> saying, <laughs> is that, that, that article is not for us. It's not, <laughs> it's not at all. It is just about you know, it's kind of conspiracy theory, but it's kind of not. It's like this whole white supremacy shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, their population is getting smaller. This is where there's so much panic in America because white people in a couple of years are going to be a minority. So they're panicking. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's why you get all this extremeness. And as I say, like, I don't want anyone to chat to me about anything Nigerian ever again because we've got the numbers, mate. We've got the numbers. We're doing it for the culture. <laughs> we will we'll make sure there's that there's enough of us always thank you you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> on one level i agree with you auntie Shade, but on another this is for us because that whole article is illustrating the fear of a black planet like they're mm. so scared and just know that because of this decline, they are really trying to do some shit in Africa so that it doesn't treble. Like they, mm-hmm. they are working very hard to stop that taking place. But you can't beat nature. It's just how it goes. Like literally on this earth at this moment, there are still more Africans and people who come under the term of people of color than white people anyway. But there are so many reasons why fertility is dropping. And for us in the West, there's somebody who almost had to go through IVF. I'm very aware of the dwindling numbers of couples that can have a child easily and um, don't have to go through some type of regime to get your body in check so that you're able to conceive. That's a real problem and it does affect lots of people especially black couples who really don't talk about it i think it's diet i think it's stress Mm -hmm. i think there's lots of different things in um in the west that really affect your body in different ways that make it really hard to make another human being which we're not addressing but food i know we were on a, a vitamin regime that was like i had one of those old people trays that me and my husband had to take every day there were so many pills i was doing so much research to kind of change our body's physiology in order for us to conceive and we were a month before the ivf prep like literally i had gone through all of the tests everything it was november i conceived i was going to have my first injections in december so it was it was that close and then all of the the kind of mental prep to be like, this is how we're going to conceive. So, you know, this must be in God's plan. We're going to have to go through IVF. Those things are so traumatic. You really want to avoid that. But because it's not really spoken about, and it does seem like it is a white woman's problem, lots of black people are not prepared for this to take place. But if you're living in the West, we have to really take on that. There probably, it probably is going to become one in three soon. 
so one in three couples that you know will need to go through some type of medical intervention in order to conceive it's something for us all to just think about especially as we are getting older before we have children to really be aware of how our, our bodies are aging quite fast in this country yeah no i think you're right there are a, um, a lot of people that take for granted how difficult it is to conceive and it isn't something that's spoken about amongst the black community but i was going to say that this is such a warning it's like they're sending out what auntie nana likes to say a yeah. bat signal like, <laughs> they're sending out a bat signal they're saying beware beware procreate <laughs> women women put down your tools get in the bedroom <laughs> you must have us. a baby there's gonna be more of them than us that's basically <laughs> what they're saying i mean it, what's interesting as well is that they mention africa don't they know that people are breeding like rabbits in the Caribbean too? Let me tell you, my cousins in the Caribbean have multiples of children. Multiples. It's not like they got one, they got, they've got multiples. And I think that's still happening over there a lot. But it, it, it's hilarious to me that the ownership of this is being put on women. It's your fault Mate. because you're yeah. doing this and you're not sitting at home or walking around and looking for a husband and that sort of stuff. It's, this is definitely, definitely a bat signal. <laughs> Yeah, I was it literally. I, 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 you took it from me. I wanted to say yes. This is definitely a bat signal, and also it's a watu watu for all the people that watch watu watu. Yes, don't frown. All the people watching, do you not remember watu watu? No, we're not doing before. that again. We're not old enough. Stop trying to make watu watu happen. It's yeah. not happening. Not it's, thing. Well, it's a thing. Watu watu. Anyway, that's the signal. That's what's being put out there. But anyway, in all seriousness, but it's hilarious. Africa, that's the part in the article that I knew instinctively to go to that article and scroll down. I knew they were going to have a section, a clear section defining the fact that actually, good old Africa is going to keep on going. And you know that, that person that I don't like, Gates, Mr. Mm. Billy Gates. William. William. Yes. Person, that person. Mm-hmm. I long not liked him in that country, in our continent. Don't like it. Don't like it. Get him out. Get him out. So yeah, there he is lots to be of stuff. Banned. Needs to be, but people aren't going to see that because he's doing good work, um, and will be seen as crazy conspiracy theorists. There's a lot of work being done to people, and I think um, to your point, Farah, yes, definitely black countries in general, because you've got everything like Brazil, all those places. Yeah, we 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 um, and in Asia, we multiply, we multiply. However, Africa's the easy target because it's the biggest continent, and they know there's billions, 721 billion Nigerians. As a Ghanaian, that's stressful. <laughs> let, alone, <laughs> let alone me being from the UK. What was that? Did not know it was million. 721 million. million. That's why I said billion, but yeah, million, sorry. And oh, it's because isn't there just like 4 billion Chinese at this moment? Yeah, they yeah, are the yeah. biggest populace. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I don't believe it. I, I absolutely don't believe it. I really feel like there's more Africans. I mean, they shrunk the size of Africa on a map on the anyway. Map. Oh, yeah. So how can we trust that they're saying that there's more Chinese people than there are Africa? I absolutely but do not believe it. Aren't they saying there's more Chinese people in China? Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Not in the, like, the world? No, in China Africa. as a populace, they're saying that there's yeah. more Chinese people than there are as a populace in Africa. And it's like, I don't believe that for a second. Mm. I mean, there's way more Africans. Yeah, you know they play with our numbers anyway, in general. 
one thing, you know, when lockdown happened and all the stuff with all the racism and everything that happened, I started to put out there that please don't call me a minority because I'm actually not. Mm. We are the majority. Just because even, even if I'm living in the UK, don't call me a minority because I'm not. I will not accept being labelled a minority mm, because I'm exactly. not. And we are breeding nicely. Thank you very much. However, <laughs> it, it is to the point in the UK, we are lulled to a real full sense of security over here. Black people, we, it's very utopian talk. We need to recognise our king and queen strength and power we cannot be eating the same processed crap we need to be so self-righteous we need mm. to be as righteous as possible we are earth people we're connected to the earth we were connected to the earth we run the earth this is our thing we need to get back to that and i'm speaking as someone who loves a in the oven chicken burger <laughs> you know making a processed chicken burger wrap and all that type of stuff i love all of that but we really need to because it is something about our health and our mental that needs to be really um, in tune with the, what's going on in the world. They'll come for us. Handmaid's Tale is so frightening. It's freaking blueprint. Yeah, I agree with you about um, what we eat because, you know, if you look at any group of people in their native homes and you look at people here, it's a lot different. Where they always say to us, well, we're prone to diabetes and we're prone to this, that, and the other. But that's here more so than back home. Because I think like, Certainly my family that are in Grenada, they don't have nearly anywhere near some of the health problems that we have here because they're not eating processed crap. No. They're eating fresh fruit and they've got the sun and they're getting vitamin D and mm. it is a lot different. So we do need to have those considerations about what we eat here. I was just going to say that, who's going to cook for me? Yeah. And then also, <laughs> and then they also say, you know, that's the way to beat Corona now as well, isn't it? What is it? That, um, I heard that <laughs> like, like you just have to um, lose weight and um, be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it was to beat Corona. Yeah. I don't have a source, but I heard that. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There's a video going around and I, 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 I haven't watched it. I'm so kicking myself that I didn't watch it, but it's, a, it's some black woman on the steps and there's like a group of white doctors around her yeah and she's saying about how easy it is to cure the coronavirus i only saw that from somebody writing but i haven't watched what she's saying but i believe her because we just need to believe black people so i believe and and well she does say that it's about see the drug that donald trump was saying hydrocotechlorine something oh the malaria one Yes, mm. she say used that. That's what she's saying in the video. She said that she's cured three hundred and fifty patients, and she's saying like, don't listen to what they're saying. Just use that, and and that's what all the doctors are there saying. Um, yeah, I believe her. Yeah, I'm not sure about that personally. <laughs> Where was this? Um, Where was this? Oh, on Facebook. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 she was the only black doctor and someone yeah. was asking about that but they just cut her part because she was a black doctor i think yeah and she said that she actually worked in nigeria when they were dealing with malaria i think maybe ebola, ebola. um and saying how so she saw how it worked and she was saying that the numbers that they're trying to put out there are false and actually the drug does work uh kaz no she's she's not a trump, trump supporter she wasn't trying to say anything to do with that it was just actually in the comments where someone was saying just because she's saying the same message as trump like don't discount it but personally i'm not feeling it at all because at the same time it's just these drug companies push drugs so it's just like yeah i'm just not sure about it personally i'm not i'm not sure 
let me just leave it there yeah <laughs> have we got any more comments and we'll move on otherwise um ta -da -da -da. carla brown said africa is the second largest continent in the world although they make it smaller than the map they always want to make us think we are smaller than we are yeah. i actually thought we were the nice. biggest i was gonna actually claim that uh, <laughs> yeah. just what is it. the biggest isn't it one of the arctic exactly Oh, <laughs> oh, true, indeed. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I thought it was one of the the, the Asia's. Combined. No, I don't no, think Asia's no, no, bigger. No. I think no. it's it's one of the Arctic's. I don't know which pole. Oh, one really? of the ones that the the places that we can't actually go to. But yeah, there, there's stuff going on there, definitely. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's. Before we move on, I just wanted to say like a really big, big, big auntie hug for Mavanwe Evans for coming out and naming the DJ Rodney P as a woman beater, and mm. needs our full solidarity because he's a big player in the game and is held up in our community and. I've known for a while that he has this problematic past with various women and, and men. He, he is a bit of a fighter and could be claimed to be a stalker as well from stories I've heard about him. But I really just wanted to go on the record to just say that, Mavanway, we believe you, we support you and whatever you need from me as an auntie to you, you have, you have me on your side. I want to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, me I too. To I want to talk about it. I know Rodney P from being in the industry and I hadn't heard about that. So it's very interesting. And I definitely 100% believe, see her name online. I always struggle to say it properly. Mavanway. Mavanway. Um, I think it's very brave of her to come out and speak out against someone who is so renowned in our community, especially in the creative space. So I definitely stand behind her. What does she want to happen? What does she want to... I, I, I'm not too sure. So we could probably follow her lead on that. But I think it's more not being silent sure. about this, which so many women, you know, you suffer something with a partner and you don't say anything to anybody else that this has taken place. And they can be heralded and lauded as, um, you know, for the culture. And there's been no apologies. And I think, you know, he is, he is a father. He has daughters. The same way we expected something off of Dr. Dre, that he apologised for the shit that he has done. I, I think as a community, it's important that we hold our men to a standard and yeah. he is somebody that is respected and lots of men look up to, that if you make mistakes repeatedly, that you repent for those. And as a public figure who has received lots of public support, you apologise once you've been exposed and i'll give that okay let's go on sorry can i just say sorry auntie ak needs an apology because she was right asia is the biggest continent oh. yeah. then africa africa i feel like we were auntie ak i'm sorry i feel like we were taught <laughs> africa <laughs> I'm not believing it anyway. I think Africa is. I don't believe be honest, it. I think it's lies and propaganda. Because yeah. I feel like it was Africa when I was growing up. I think the fact that they said that it was like, I always, because there's such a landmass of Asia. However, the fact that they smallened Africa on the map is like, who can trust mm. anybody? You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. So, We're still agreed. discussing if the earth is round, globe, or, like, or flat. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. We are. <laughs> You're not discussing <laughs> no, that now? We're, in, we're, in, we're, we're not discussing that. You're We're discussing that. Remember, Truman got the edge of the world. 
supposed to just be vast that goes on. Yeah, there's no ending to it. I'm just saying it's a discussion that's going out there in the world. Moving on to... Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Aunties Know Best. Aunties Know Best. Aunties Know Best. Got a dilemma. Nana, you better have a dilemma. (laughs) I do have a dilemma, but it's more of like a personal dilemma-ish. Fine, whatever the case is, you just you got one. All right, okay. Thank Shall you. I go first then? Yes, go on. All right, so the dilemma is absolutely has nothing to do with population Poop. of us in mm. your aunties could never. But on a separate project here, what would you guys suggest I do? There's a group and there's one person in particular. She hasn't done anything though, but it's my spidey senses I like. I don't really like them. (laughs) But they're really nice to me. And because of this, so it's like a group activity that I am really like, I don't want to do it specifically because of this one person. So I'm in conflict as to, it's just one person and I generally can get along with anybody, but I really don't like them. Through no fault of their own, it's just a, a feeling when I see their face, what would you guys suggest I do? I mean, I have the same feeling about someone I won't name, but you guys will know that that person irks me. Their behavior also (laughs) makes it difficult for me to get completely Um, behind them, but mm -hmm. they really irk me and it makes me feel weird and uncomfortable. The fact that I feel like it's because I can get on with everyone. So my thing, I have removed myself from that person, even though everywhere I go, that person appears. <laughs> like um, a stalker. <laughs> it's really weird. So that, and that kind of thing, especially if you kind of, I'm trying to be more spiritual and in tune to those things. So I don't actually understand why this person is in my space so often. However, I've had to remove my person, remove this person from my life in as best as I, best I can. And I've chosen to be amicable when this person's in my space where there's nothing else I can do. But going into something with that person, I wouldn't do it. So for me, it's like, is this, if you don't get involved in this activity, how does it affect your life? Because that's the only thing for me is that there's certain things that me and my person are involved in that if I remove myself out of it, it could have a worse effect on me. So I have to be the bigger woman and just be like, they're just there. It's nothing. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. No, it would just be like, well, I'm not involved in the project. So if the project blows up and it does really well, well, I just wasn't involved in it. Because there's other people that I really do like who I could work with, but it's more just the proximity to this one person that I really don't like. I'm like, do I ignore that instinct? That's something that's in me that's like, they are not your type of person. But because everybody else seems to like them. So I, I feel like, am I just being like, is there something, should I experience this to gain more experience? Like, should I just work through this non-liking them and I may like them soon? So I'm a true believer in, <laughs> in going with your gut instincts. I really am. I really am. I think you go with your gut instinct. Like, I think your intuition is like a very powerful thing. And like sometimes because of society and usually people outside of us and, uh, you know, 
expectations all that kind of stuff we tend not to listen to it when it's telling us what what to do it's kind of like a compass like guiding you right it knows what is going to bring you joy and what's not like if it's if it's been flagged then no absolutely not I think also as women sometimes we all always taught to kind of like oh no just try just try and get along with that person oh why don't you just see how it goes and give them a chance if they haven't done something but you you know you just not <laughs> like I honestly I've always tapped into it and I always know if I don't like someone I don't like them it always works out that way whether I try and go with it or not so I just believe myself I like yeah. and you seem like a quite a, you know a deep person so just you just go you know you know already like I think like there's no point trying to force something that's not meant to be do you have to interact with this person like on a one-on-one in this particular group or can you can it be like a distancing type of thing no it can be within like the group so there probably wouldn't be too many scenarios that we would find ourselves like oh it's just me and them Okay. Working on something. I would construct it that way because I just wouldn't get involved in things that they're particularly working on. But it would be a collective facing forward. Like us. Like it's, we're all in it together. So it'd be very similar. It'd be like, um, if I choose to be a part of it, then we are front facing and I'm not really a a leave something once I start it. So that's why I'm really like, oh, I don't even... Is it that you're worried about how that person presents themselves and how that then affects you? Or is it that you just get a feeling and you just don't like them? Because those are two it kind of different things. It literally is just a feeling. Like there's something that's in me that is like, they are not trustworthy, mm. but they haven't done anything at all. Like, <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to base it on other than the voice is like, not trustworthy. But, but there's nothing so I feel bad because it's like they ain't even done they ain't done nothing <laughs> really that I know of the fact that you're so easygoing in like you're so amicable and you're someone who's easy to get, get on with you are as Shado says you're quite deep and you think about things on another level the fact that you don't like someone you're probably right I don't think you should feel bad about it and it just goes back to being in this space and if everyone else hasn't noticed it who can you talk to about it? Because there's nothing, there's nothing the, worse. No, nobody. Because I feel so bad. <laughs> it's like, I can't even. Because everybody else is friendly friends. Because you never know. Someone might be waiting for someone. Someone else might be like, oh my God, no one's saying it. But this oh, person's... True. But then you don't want to also fashion this thing where you're talking about, about someone behind their yeah. back. But it could be that someone else is feeling that way. It will make me feel... Just at least validate you because they really know who, what you're feeling. And it just goes back to whether the project's worth it, whether it's worth yeah. it. And also, if you think they're not trustworthy, do you think they're not trustworthy to the point where they could mash it up in the future? That thing that could come forward will present itself and be detrimental to the whole project. Because then that's another thing you need to consider. I feel more resonance with what Auntie Sade was saying. Like, literally, like, trust yourself. And, yeah. so, and whenever I haven't, it's never gone well when I haven't trusted myself. I've never had a feeling this strong before, but you know, just sometimes people show certain selfish streaks and you're kind of like, oh, but that's just them. It always comes back around and it's like, you, you saw who they were and you didn't trust yourself on that. Mm. Whereas this is very like, yeah, they're just not your type of person. So it, I don't think it's for me to say anything to anybody else. That also doesn't usually work very well for me. 
Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'll keep that That's to fair. myself. But um, yeah, no, you guys have helped me just be like, okay, it's not to be bad about. It's just. Bad. Yeah, I think it's super common, but most people don't act on it. Or they just, they, or they hope for the best mm. when they already know. But I just think, I was just going to say, but you kind of got there anyway, but you don't have to convince anybody. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And often, most times, like, I 100% find, like, if I'm like, oh, I don't like that person, like, it, it becomes like this, this battle, <laughs> like, I'm trying <laughs> to convince them. It's just like, actually, you don't have to understand what I'm feeling. What you're picking up on might just be part of their aura. It might just be part of, like, something that they're, they're being, you know, and it mm. just doesn't mesh well with yours. And that's okay. You don't have to like everybody. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has to like you either. Yeah, serious yeah, yeah, and yeah. then also as well some people like like to suck up to people as well and they don't like them i've had that a lot as well kind of thing it's just like you're being nice but there's something about this niceness that don't feel right so yeah do you know what i mean so yeah. that's probably what you're feeling yeah. there and yeah. you're, and your gut instinct is like Mm-mm, this ain't the one yep yeah if your spirit doesn't take to somebody and you it's not a situation like a corporate situation where you have to work with them then don't do it. You've got, you know, there's no point putting yourself in a space where you're questioning yourself and mm. your ability to vocalise your feelings or where you're concerned that a party that you're working with is going to snake out in some way. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's my no, thoughts. True. I've got one. It's, it wasn't written to me. It was told to me. This woman that I know has started dating a guy and it's all going really well. They've been dating for about a year now. Um, they became official maybe about four months ago. She's got children, he's got children. It's all going really well. Their kids get on. It's great, great, great. So she's really happy about the situation. Recently, she went and met his dad because he's very, very close with his dad. And his dad has just been exceptionally rude to her and always wants to bring up her boyfriend's ex-partner and says, oh, well, that's not the way that she does it. And, oh, no, oh, is that where you're from? Oh, oh, is that what you do for a job? Oh, well, blah, blah's not like that. And she's finding it increasingly more difficult to be in those situations to the point where when her boyfriend now says to her, I'll come over for Sunday dinner, bring the kids or whatever it is, she's finding that she needs to make an excuse as to why she doesn't want to go. Because she hasn't said to her boyfriend directly that your, your dad's being rude to me. But equally, her boyfriend's been around and, and seen it, but hasn't called, you know, hasn't said to his dad, dad, this is a bit rude. What are you doing? So now she's in a situation where she's like, how do I handle this? I, I really care about my boyfriend. I see this going further. But if I'm not getting on with his family, if I'm not getting on with his dad, what do I do? Any advice for this lovely young lady? Talk to your boyfriend because you have to, because if you see it going somewhere, because some, some, some people are like, are like, cool, I understand. My dad don't really like you, but I love you. I'm going to stick with you and we just make it work. And not always grandparents have to be involved. It's not very nice, but sometimes if the relationship's stronger and can handle it, that stuff happens. It's, it's common that grandparents aren't always gelling with a new partner or whatever, whatever the case is. So, but I think it starts with a conversation. I can't really think what else. Is the ex the, um, the children's mother yes. that the dad is referring to? Okay. Yes. That, that would be understandable because obviously it's like the parent's going to have a love for that person if they got on and if they really got on then a new person really is the signifier that that relationship has really ended and he just really may be hanging on to i don't 
I didn't want it to end. I really thought that they could get back together again. So I wouldn't take it personally because I'd be like, that is residual feelings that this older man is working through and I'm just a byproduct of that. I would speak to my partner about it though. Like really like, so he does this and maybe in the moment when it's being done, you say something so I don't have to say something or you just witness it. Like, you know, there's a, an arm rub, there's a something that is like, I'm not really listening to my dad in this moment. So you have a solidarity. I feel like there's no point in withdrawing yourself because you haven't established firm lines with your partner. And that's the main thing. And when he becomes your husband, then you can be like, I don't have to spend time with your dad who doesn't like me. But while you're building your relationship with this person, you need to build with them. And that requires time with them. So I wouldn't be withdrawing now because then the partner could see it like, well, she's just making excuses to not spend time with me. It could run in a different direction than what you really want by withdrawing and not talking about it. So I would just have a conversation, just be like, mm. it's not the nicest place to be when your dad is around because he says this types of stuff and it makes me feel awkward and work out how that would go. If your partner though is like, yeah, no, I don't see that. And they think that you're hyping up something that's when you really got to think well do I really want to be in this space where I'm being treated unfairly because it's not nice but it's understandable for granddad I can imagine you know I may I may have similar types of traits when I'm an older and elder as well <laughs> people that you love I could imagine I could be like that I think it's really admirable that you can say that but I don't think I could do that like no way that like, I'd be out there I'm not going to have that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your dad is rude and you're not doing anything about it. I'm going to say something. <laughs> I might say something anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be honest. And address it directly. Yeah, I couldn't imagine me not saying anything, to be honest. I would have to, I would deal with it straight on. I mean, you don't have to be rude about it, but you could just be, just call it out. Like, you know, you're actually being a bit disrespectful for me to me in this moment um it makes me feel like i don't want to be here in fact i'm gonna leave so, <laughs> so that's <laughs> very dramatic come on, kids. Come on, kids, let's go. there's no way i'm gonna be in that situation more than once do you know what i mean like i i can probably deal with that once but not more than that no way and then just quickly hmm. some of the um comments online kaz is saying passive aggressive in-laws nigel mark says she needs Hi. to talk to the guy get him to express her disdain of the chat to the dad preferably in front of him and stay away from the grandfather hey nigel how you doing i was just going back to you nana saying that it's understandable for the dad to be like that as a granddad or grown person yes if your son's irritating you because he's got a rotation of a rotation going on or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> if that's how he's seen it like you've got all these women coming through my house and introducing them every minute wherever that situation is if the granddad's got an issue Deal with that to your son, not take it out on the woman. I don't yeah. think it's fair. I, I think parents who are horrible, who are just horrible and rude, I don't think that's very nice because do you not want your children to prosper or and, you know, get married or have a happy, peaceful situation? I don't think it's fair for someone to be like that. Yes, they can be upset, but they direct that shit to their child, not to the person that's been brought in the house, especially the person is not doing anything wrong. I don't think you should have to take it and have any kind of forgiveness. Like, oh yeah, you know, granddad's just missing the ex. Now, you take the ex then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like my mum, 
loves my husband. Sometimes I feel uh, a smidgen more than me. Like, she loves him. (laughs) And I think if we broke up, she ain't going to handle it well. Like, so I'm thinking from that perspective, like, it would take a moment, but I would be understanding to her being like, I just wanted you two to work. And if somebody else comes in, she's probably going to do some shenanigans so that they don't feel welcome, so that they do go about their business in the hope that a reconciliation happens and I think we're just human I could understand how your brain would go into the I'm in my feelings mode but I really do think that it's for the partner to see their parent and be like Mm. they're just dealing with something but it's me and you but obviously there needs to be a communication there if they haven't spotted it already if I had spotted it I would go to the partner and be like yeah my mum's not being nice my mum's being a bit of an ass at the moment and she just needs a bit of time to adjust we can limit our interactions with her until she gets to know you it's very simple but you do have to be self-aware and know who your parents are and I know who I am, and if I get attached to somebody, I can be very attached to them. Like, I want it to work. I wouldn't go out of my way to be horrible to somebody, though. The the new person coming in, being a new person coming in and not being liked by certain fractions of your wider family, I know how that feels. So I would probably be more accommodating, but I can understand when, you know, again, when your spirit isn't taken to somebody, it doesn't take to somebody, isn't it? So you have to be like, well, you know. Mm-hmm. shit happens sometimes I get it <laughs> and I tell my brother I've got a particular brother who I tell all the time if you and blah blah ever break up don't be bringing no new girls around me because <laughs> no new friends no new friends no new friends get me <laughs> but realistically I would be nice to the person but they just wouldn't be my homie I you need to say to her boyfriend do you notice that your dad does this to me like every time I come around because she hasn't had the conversation you know so she needs to have that conversation and then what happens will depend on his response if he says yeah but that's just my dad he's old and cantankerous we'll get through it he's just got to get used to you or if he says oh no like you know it depends on his his response but she needs to vocalize it rather than as everybody said withdraw herself from the situation because she doesn't need to do it auntie shade Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I don't think she needs to do a Nazi Shade. <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't need to do a exit. What, what did you say to me? I don't like what you're saying. I'm out. You don't have to shout. Even if you whisper it. Even if you whisper, even if you say, I don't like what you're saying, I'm out. It's like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. If she addresses it with her boyfriend and her boyfriend addresses it with the dad and the dad is more blatantly rude she's well within her rights to then say i really don't appreciate how you're talking to me and i'm not going to be disrespectful and i think i'm going to leave that's different that's you know she's more than well within her rights to say that kind of stuff if he's not freaking <laughs> if he's not going to be disrespectful <laughs> no way mate you in front of me and you're standing there saying nothing <laughs> <laughs> We've got to have a strong talk then. Oh, God. <laughs> Dear aunties, I'm getting in touch on behalf of my cousin. Basically, he really wants a girlfriend, a long-term forever girlfriend, but he keeps getting friend-zoned because he's too nice. Me and my boys keep telling him he needs to have a bit more authority and not be such a pushover, but we're finding it hard to explain what we mean because he thinks we just mean be horrible. Personally, I'm a nice guy, but I don't let people take me for an idiot. 
I feel bad because he's a really good guy and I just want him to be happy like I'm happy with my girl. We want to go out as a group and things like that. Please help. Love the show. Can we get some uncles on the show? Sweet boy. <laughs> Sweet boy who? D. <laughs> I mean, boy. I'm assuming uh, name, but I'm beginning with D. Uh, Is there any indication of age? When I hear these things, the way it's framed, sounds like they're young. Sounds like he's young. Because like me and my boys keep telling me he needs to have a bit more authority. I don't know, actually. I actually don't know. But I'm assuming if you're finding it struggling to explain this as a... You have to be young, really. Although, like, nice guys I know, suffer, don't with... they? Like, at any age, like, kind of that mm. stereotypical nice guy kind of does come last. It's a hard one. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not an easy... Because it isn't, it isn't about, like, toughening up or being horrible. Though that does work for some men. But you're not going to find a wife that way anyway. Not no. a good one mm. anyway. I don't know. What do people do? I was just going to say that maybe it's the type of girls that he's going for. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. not every, every... Just because your friends are with a certain type of girl doesn't mean that you should be with that kind of girl. You've got to know who's compatible with you and who's going to respect that. Because like, I think you need to connect on like a moralistic kind of level. Um, and then once you connect on that in that way, that, that won't be an issue because the morals are already there. So you've got to think about that. I'm not saying you're going that way, but a lot of guys do. It's not just aesthetics. It's not mm. just status and that kind of thing. It's like looking at their morals, um, what they believe in and seeing if you're matching on those kind of levels. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think sometimes, I, you know, we go for the post of what a good girl, good guy is supposed to be and we really hone in on those attributes and forget that actually what do you, maybe he hasn't taken time to think, what does he actually like? What is, who does he, what does he actually want? What type of person does he really um, connect with? And maybe, as you said, Charlotte, look at it from that way instead of trying to maybe chase what it seems like all his boys have got. And maybe he's feeling a bit pressured to have the same type of girl as his boys and mm -hmm. seeing that maybe they're status girls or who knows, there's no description, but maybe that's what it is. He's missing the point of actually, what do you actually like? And are you really going for what you want? And the girls that you're going for, if they're friend zoning you because they can't see your qualities, there will be a woman out there that, We'll get it, but you maybe you need to chill. And I, I would say to a girl, like, don't force it. Just enjoy life. It's so easy. It's very simplistic to say, but just get on with what you need to do. And you will eventually meet someone that's in tune with and appreciate your character for what it is. Because they're friend zoning him, maybe it's how he's approaching them as well. Mm. Maybe he's mm. approaching them from a friend point of view and then it gets to the position where he's friend zoned. Maybe rather than approach it like friends, approach it like let's date I want to date you because for me for someone to get into the friend zone that means we got to do things where you're becoming my friend if he's just meeting a girl and asking her out how does he get into the friend zone I don't know he doesn't say so maybe he needs to approach these women differently and like you said look at the people that he's approaching to because it might be I was thinking about it and actually like it's quite easy for guys to head into that friend space when they don't offer much more than a companion sometimes yeah. people, when they don't know what their uniqueness is they're kind of like that kind of every man type guy who you can just go cinema with but they're not adding anything they, they don't know what their edge is yet so you're especially when you're young you're looking for that edge and it's the guys that know what their superpower is and hone in on that they do really well 
maybe he just needs to spend a little bit more time developing what his sensibilities are like where's his edge how can he stand out so that people are more attracted to him for him and so that he's not bland and easy to put into the friend basket there are some some guys who never know that and they and then somebody settles with them because they never really defined what mm. their edge and there are lots of women like that as well it's just you don't know where where your edge is so you're just very easy to place into oh yeah i settled with that person because they're pleasant enough but there's nothing there because they haven't allowed themselves to explore what is out there it's like maybe just try and date outside of a circle of your friends like find a new crop of women that don't know you from before so you can be whoever you want to be like just try and be a little bit more adventurous and I think for the friend just ease up on your boy just probably just needs a bit more time to find out who he is I think the boy's asking for advice because he's been asked for advice and he feels it's his cousin and he feels bad that he can't give the clear advice so I don't know if he's putting his cousin under pressure but he's just feeling bad for him because I guess, you know, it's like if you've got a girlfriend who's like, oh, I just want a boyfriend, I just want a man and can't find one. And you're feeling like, well, I don't know what I do. I'm just special. I've got a girl, I'm all right. Or I've got a man, so I'm all right. But I don't know how to tell you. Because it is that thing men think the stereotype is you've got to be macho. You've got to be, come here. And this is it. And actually, you saying that it's a horrible man can easily find a wife because we women have bought into that thing where a man's got to be very masculine and macho and authoritative for us to feel like that's a man yeah. that we should be with. That's really easy to get that kind of stereotype kind of thing. But, and it would be hard to explain how to not let yourself be taken advantage of because you kind of have to then play, sometimes play a little bit of the games that might seem, if you're someone who's really nice, it might seem really difficult to be like, you don't have to call the girl as soon, you know, soon as, maybe let it breathe. Or there's little things that no matter what, we might see it as game playing, but there is strategy. There's strategies to attract someone and it's weird because it goes into that space of playing games and I'm not advocating playing games and messing with people but there's people we're all kind of brainwashed into a certain way that dating is supposed to go and I'm not saying it's necessarily right but there are some tropes that if someone's if someone's on us too much we don't necessarily respond to it well and if someone's being too caring you're kind of like well, why are you being so nice to me sorry I'm sorry I'm hearing shouting I'm yeah it's but my next door neighbor is like on the phone and he decides for some reason that coming that side of the fence suits him it's very annoying <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i don't know so I, I understand it can be hard to advise someone especially if you don't have those problems and it seems like look maybe you don't be so available to the girl maybe yes. don't be like you're the best friend of the girl and it is that and yeah. far being best friend person mm. but it, that's how it is easy to segue into being friend zoned if I was talking to one of my girlfriends, I would tell them it's a numbers game and I would tell them to treat it like a job, write down what you want <laughs> and visualize yeah. and go to, where, go to where the type of people that you want to be with are. Do you know what I mean? So in terms of like actual practical advice, you could do those things. And yeah, the more people you talk to, the more people, the more likely that you're probably going to get a positive response down the line. Oh, there we go. So, there we yeah. Go. So, are you guys going to try that out then, that method, methodology, numbers? That was, that was like a... For what? Are you going to try the numbers well. game? No, my I'm brother. cool. 
Oh wow, <laughs> that was that was like a swipe. <laughs> oh, I think that was a good <laughs> methodology to just experiment <laughs> with. None of us was ready for that. <laughs> Auntie Nan is like, I'm tired oh, of being dude. the only married one here. Exactly. I want a double like date. <laughs> You're the person that wrote it. Just say what you need to say to us, man. Like, come oh. on. Hey, Auntie, <laughs> my aunties are getting on my nerve because they're so simple. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually going to write one in. It wouldn't be that one. I'm going to write one. In. Dear aunties, I'm at my wit's end. My two best friends don't get along at all. And this feud started from secondary school and it's never ended. I myself didn't go to the same secondary school as them. But from what I understand, they were in two different cliques that just didn't get along. What makes things deeper is the child of one of the girls, the father is one of the other exes. Jump into the present day, when we're all together, there's definitely an atmosphere and I'm starting, it's starting to be a major problem, especially if I want both of the girls to be part of my bridal shower. What should I do? Jesus Christ. So I have, in my lifetime, experienced when my friends don't necessarily get along. And what you have to do in those scenarios is understand that just because you are friends with them, does not mean that they are going to be friends with each other. So therefore, you have to minimise their interaction. However, you also have to make it clear to these people, when it's my time, so when it's my day, you lot need to be civil. 100%. You don't need to make it where I'm going here, Stacey has to come, Teresa has to come. You don't have to make it like that. But you do have to make it a thing of when it's my day, you be respectful, you be polite. That's what I have found. Not everyone's going to get on just because they're your friend and you can't force the situation. The more you try to force the situation, the more that they will fight against each other and it will be like biting, biting, biting. My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. I ain't got time for that. No one's got time for that. But as I said, when it is your day and it's your bridal shower, you have a word with them, you tell them separately, this is the deal. And if you can't agree to it, then boy, you don't need to be part of the wedding party, innit? I've got a lot of Oof. other people around me. What? 100%. If you, can't, if you can't interact with each other, when it's my time for me, on a civil kind of way, and don't get me wrong, I understand that it is loaded because there's children and baby fathers and XYZs involved. That's a lot. But I'm just saying, if they cannot interact with each other, if they're finding it difficult, you have that conversation. And if I was on the other end of the spectrum, where I didn't get along with somebody, and I had all these isms and schisms, I would most definitely be like, you know what? I'm going to remove myself from the situation. I love you, but I can't be in this space with that person. And I don't want to ruin your day. And I don't want to ruin how you feel. And I don't want to make it about me. So therefore, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. And if they can't do that, then you need to question your friendships with them. That's what you need to do. Pretty much everything I was going to say. Yeah. Because I think as friends, as I've been in that situation as well. I know that I had two camps. And when it came to my birthday, I was like, fuck all y'all. I'm not going to do two separate birthday events. I'm not doing that. We're all going to be there. You look and sit at that end of the table. You look and sit at that end of the table and have at it. Because there's an element of disrespect if people make it about them. Because that means they're being very selfish. And they don't care for you as a friend if they're willing to make their um, feelings overspill into a situation that you're, that's about you. As far as I'm concerned, if I didn't like someone that my friend, if I had a mutual friend and I don't like people in their world, I'm not going to be like, I don't like the person, so you've got to do something to sort me out. That's not my friend's issue. The person in the middle is not their issue. 
also there's a common dom- denominator. How is it that they can both get on with you, but they can't get on with each other? So there's something for me, sometimes it could be an unresolved something that maybe there could be a conversation that could be had. Maybe, I mean, who knows how many times this has happened and it sounds a bit childish going on from school as well, but then the ex and all that type of stuff. But, you know, who knows what the ins and outs are. I just feel like it's a little bit of ego in that space as well. But when it comes down to it, your wedding, you lot come to the wedding, you're invited, you're a bridesmaid or whatever. You have to put up and shut up. And if you don't, and you want to make it all leave and make it difficult for me in my moment, you lot aren't really my friends. And I think that's the conversation you need to have. If they make it about them and put you in any any undue pressure where you feel like you have to kind of be like doing United Nations between two camps when it's your, you're supposed to be focused on your day and they're supposed to be having your back. I just don't believe they're your friends. I think it's very selfish and disrespectful because I, I know I've got to a point where it's like, you lot are making it difficult for me. That means you don't care about me in that point. But my resolution was like, you lot are all going to get on with it. And I couldn't give a fuck. I don't bring me your arguments. Either. I'm not listening to it. I'll get on with both of you lot. If you lot don't want to work it out, I don't give a damn. It works itself out in the end. For my wedding party, there was two girls and they weren't talking at that moment, but it was fine. They just didn't talk to each other. They spoke past each other. Um, Although sometimes they were talking to each other, but not to each other. So weird. But it was fine. We all got along and I I had 10 bridesmaids. So these things are to be expected that somebody isn't going to speak to somebody. But I have another friend who... It's, it's not my mutual friend, it's, it's another friend's mutual friend who she absolutely feels was bullied by them and so she hates them. And what mm. if the feeling is that much like they did something really bad to me so mm-hmm. I don't feel like you should actually be their friend anymore. So it may be that big where one side really does feel quite aggrieved. Like if there's an ex and a child was born and they could have, there could be some time overlap, you could feel really like, well, that was my man. And she took that. So it may not be as simple as, oh, you two just coexist together. It could be like, no, this person did a wrongings to me. I don't think they should be there. And I'd be there. I feel like you need to pick. I'm kind of in that space and I think that there's a lot of expectation on people to just get along and sometimes that isn't possible especially if there's unresolved stuff so it might just be a case of like having a conversation and maybe just apologizing to clear the air do you know what I mean it might just be that like there could just be unresolved issues you know that a professional needs to kind of deal with you know it's not always just because they're your friend that now they can get along do you know what I mean they might not have the capability the skill the understanding to even get to that point I think you can have a talk but I don't think that you as the person in the middle should have the expectation that they're going to get along that's what I'm thinking I'm not saying that oh, you know, you should spoil the day or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It is a little bit, I want to say selfish, but that's not what I mean. But it's a little bit self-absorbed to think that two people who have an issue are just going to get along just because you say so. Yeah. When that happens, what they're doing, really doing is just repressing their feelings because of you. And personally, I don't want to be the cause of that. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, this is what I'd like to happen, guys. But then it's down to them, you know? For that, I 100% agree. I don't think there should be an expectation they have to get on. I think it's more like if they both feel strongly about being in this situation, because it's specifically about the wedding. Because part of me feels like, well, it seems like they don't get on. They haven't got on from day one and they've known about this Mm -hmm. mutual friend 
So they know about the person who's writing in. So it's not anything new. Because I get what you're saying, Anna. If it was someone like, you know, you've met a new friend and like, actually, I don't like that girl because she did this, that and the other to me. And now you're being forced to make a choice because this is a new friend. You don't have that history. And that's a bit more different than something that's been ongoing for years. And it doesn't sound like they're new friends. They sound like they've been long-standing friends. And everyone knows that these two don't like each other. So it's nothing new. We're getting to the point where it's the wedding. So how has she managed this before writing this letter? It doesn't seem like it's a new problem. It's an, an ongoing problem. So it just mm. seems the wedding is the situation that's going to be the tense thing. So how has she managed it before? Has she had separate birthdays? Has she really had to keep them apart? Because then it's the same energy that you have to apply to your wedding then. How do these two people exist in the world as being your friend with you in the middle? So when it comes to the wedding, it's not that you expect them to get on. But I, expect, I think that if it's a thing where you cannot drop either of them and it's resolved that you are friends with both of them and they're not telling you to leave each, you know, dump one or for the other, then I think as friends, individual human beings, they should then be able to be mature enough to say, look, we don't like each other, but this is an important moment for the person that we both love. And so in this space, we will be amicable or respectful and mindful of them for this moment. And every other time we just do what we do and we stay in our sides of the fence or whatever but I totally agree don't expect them to get on just because of it and that is repressing feelings that you shouldn't have to do but I feel like if it's a long going on thing that's never going to get resolved when it comes to something like a wedding or a, a significant birthday or an event then these two people need to find a way to make it work or I think Farah said it don't go then you have to remove yourself and have a maybe a private little celebration with your friend for that moment but if you really want to be at the person's wedding because you love them that much, then you're going to have to do something more than... I'm not expecting for anybody to get on. You can't, you can't force people to get on. But mm. what you can do, and as Auntie AK said, if she's having a wedding where they're her bridesmaids, this has been going on for a long time. They've known each other for a long time. The person who's written in has had them both as their mutual friend for a long time, and they've had to navigate through certain scenarios. So I think what is important is that she has a conversation with them both and just says if you feel like you cannot do this in this space you need to make a decision because it is my day and I'm not expecting you to get on but I am expecting you to be civil and civil might just mean they don't communicate like how auntie yeah. nana's bridesmaids acted it doesn't mean that I'm expecting you to sit down and start patting each other on the back and all of that kind of stuff but it just mm. means that they need to be mindful because there is somebody else involved here and, and that person loves you both and doesn't want to choose and hasn't chosen because we're at this point now. We're this far down the line. And that's all I'm saying. There isn't an expectation that they're suddenly going to get on because you, you just can't. And as I said before, in my experience, where you try to force that, it makes it worse. Just quickly, do, do we have any response about uh, skid pants guy? No. The only no. response I've got is that our loyal listener, Mr. E. McD said that he was disgusted and grossed out. <laughs> and, he still, and he still doesn't understand what that person, how they go about their life. It's real. I, I'm going to try and get some screenshots and share it on Instagram of that conversation. Because there was others in there that were like, yeah, washing yourself naturally. Water runs past there, so you don't have oh. to give it any extra wow. attention. I'm going to cut this bit out too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was watching something <laughs> just, just today, earlier on, and the guy said he doesn't masturbate because he thinks that's homosexual. Because oh. it's, a, it's a black hand 
on his own penis. I mean, again, it's your body. It's you. It's I was you. just like, how does he go to the toilet? He must let him swing, and that's why there's piss on the walls. Does <laughs> <laughs> he do that? Does he do that when he goes to the toilet? Pissing. Disgusting. He's a it's pissy bastard. It's so it's like... dumb. It's so dumb. These people need help. But the thing is, all right, then have backed up jizz inside you. That's your business, isn't it? Because apparently men explode in So they that's... explode. Well, you know how they go on. If they don't come, they're going to die. So let them... their balls turn blue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but blue balls then. You give it self inflicted. Get out, man. You'd probably God. be less tense if you freaking jerked off a little bit. Shut up. Idiot. <laughs> Chief. Let's go to Black in the Day, man. That just irritated me. <laughs> That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.youraunties.coulddnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah, and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. What did you want to be when you were younger? Oh, no, sorry. Can I just say a comment on that? Yeah, go on. Go on, go on. Ronald Dobbins said, Men don't explode, we, we have wet dreams. <laughs> Well, that's so, an explosion. Oh, so it just comes out anyway. <laughs> Ew. I don't know why that made me laugh. I felt like, like, like Ew, Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So when I was younger, my parents told me that I was going to be a lawyer. And I also really liked LA Law. So that kind of fit with me. But as soon as I found out it was like seven years, I was like, hell no, I'm not studying that long. And then I wanted to be a music video uh, director. That's what you were going to say, dancer. Um, yeah, dancer. Oh no, <laughs> I wanted to, the other other thing I wanted to be was an MC, but I wasn't very good. I, yeah, but um, I've got a passion for that. When I was little, I wanted to be a few things. So at first, I wanted to be an ice skater for about five minutes. Because I saw the Winter Olympics, I think it was, and I was like, oh my God, they're beautiful. I want to do that. Funny story. I've never been ice skating in my life. That's correct. What? Not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I've never been. Oh, anyway. Boy. Yes, that's it. I've never been ice skating. I'm what? How have I not known this and have we not gone? I don't know. Didn't you used to come down to Stratton and you never came to Stratton Ice Rink? I us? never went ice skating. No. Oh my dear Lord. Yeah. So that was five minutes. And then I wanted to be an engineer. I didn't know what type of engineer, but I was a bit of a tomboy. So I thought like engineer, that sounds like a good job. Like you're going to be an engineer. Didn't know which mm-hmm. kind of engineer I wanted to be. Then I wanted to be an actress. And that was like my main one that I wanted to be an actress. But then once I got to college, I realized that I really didn't like being in front of people. Not that I wasn't good. I just didn't really like being in front. And I was more of a I'm behind the scenes type person. I wanted to be an English teacher. First and foremost, because so, she did. Yeah, I wanted to be an English teacher, and I also wanted to be an artist. And um, both those careers, my mother was like, "Black people, no, this is not your profession. You better sort it out." But um, she's an old school. She came from a different generation, and she just thought that there's no way that I'm going to really be able to make it as a teacher, and I'm not an artist because I really was like, I'm literally going to go to Paris and be an artist because oh. I was really good at um, likeness drawings, and I thought I could make a career doing portraits and the rest of it I didn't really know what I wanted to do ever I had no kind of vision and I always hated my or I always um I'm upset with my school for that for not kind of exploring my talents and helping me realize what I was good at and another thing that I had dreams of being running the UK's version of the Source magazine and ta-da we had the British blacklist so that was realized in a very back-to-front way no I love that I wanted to be an accountant like my dad but I think that was 
literally to forge like a connection with him so that went on for a little while that I'll, I'll be an accountant and I'm good at maths and then that died out and you know like when you go and see the careers officer and I didn't really know so acting was always there it was like oh I could probably do acting so I went to the careers officer and was given one of those big career books and I just asked him what pays about a hundred grand a year he was like I think at this moment it's a stockbroker so I went to the stockbroker page read over it and was like I could do stocks yeah I'm gonna be a stockbroker <laughs> so that was like oh. a focus for a minute stockbroker actress and I really was quite focused on those two things for a while like was really sure I would become a, a stockbroker until I made like about a quarter of a meal and then I'd have enough of a cushion to be a jobbing actress because obviously it takes a while before you make any money and then I could do acting so in uni acting like just that died like ferociously and stockbroker seemed too hard it's just like it just seemed like a hard a hard place to be so then I decided to be a stylist once I had left and that was because my cousin her tune body groove was out she needed clothes I had time I could do the styling and then I just no way she's your cousin um, yes, and also no that's mad because the Akbars they're from like no. the ends. Mm. Isn't that body good? Make your body that good. Yeah, yeah. The like we grew up with them, so that's kind of mad. Yeah, Nay Nay is my cousin. And my auntie. And, and, and your auntie. auntie. And your auntie. What? what? I know that even makes sense, does it? What? <laughs> Serious? She's and then my... we like all got the same oh. name. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Because shanties only have like eight names. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why are you calling me? Like what? Because far every time we go out and I I'm say you look better dance to this tune. You, I think you've forgotten because I say it all the time. That's my oh. auntie. You better dance to it. It's my auntie. I have. Mm-hmm. That I've sat so past me by. He's actually. He's actually my That's mom's half sister. When that tune was out, one time in I was at my mum's and it came on and my mum was like. Oh, that's my sister. And I'm like, Mum, what? Don't be stupid. Like, Come on. I, I did not say don't be stupid. Obviously, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh. But she, me looks, she looks like us. It's just so mad. But my granddad was a G. It was a G in that sense. With, uh, you know, he had lots and her lots and her lots of children. There's enough of us. Um, I never grew up knowing her, knowing her anything. The first time I knew of her was when Make Your Body Groove, groove came out. That's so funny. Such a small world. Weird, because yeah. it's like we grew she, up together. So, yeah. Like she was family, although we're not blood relatives, but her mum was like one of my mum's first friends here in the 60s. So literally from as far back as I can remember, my cousin Nana was like my cousin. When we figured it out, it was like, that's your real, real auntie. And I've always known Nana has lots of siblings. Like, that was all Mm -hmm. there's lots of. So, yeah, no, it was a weird one. But that was literally how I got into styling, was because of her pop career. So you learn something new every day. You do. Absolutely. (laughs) And now it's time for... Hey, I'm Auntie Sade. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do... Aunties, what's made you sad, mad, or glad? Sad. <laughs> it made me sad and glad was watching um, the interview with Donald Trump being interviewed by the guy on Fox News. 
I just, <laughs> there were so many parts that I was just like, oh my God, it, it, it was heart wrenching. But then it's also what made it be glad was his pure vim that I'm right. And there's one point and he's just like, I'm going to be right, but I'll be right eventually. So mm-hmm. he's made a statement that <laughs> coronavirus is going to disappear. And the guy's like, <laughs> the guy's like, you said coronavirus is going to disappear. And he was like, eventually I will be right. It will disappear. Oh my God. Uh, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, the logic in this man's head. But <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good watch. It will piss you off, so it will make you sad because he says a lot of shit. He does call coronavirus the Chinese virus again. Mm. He does bring up Mexico and he, he says a lot of shit like Donald does, but there is a joy in it as well. Like, it's just funny. It's funny as hell. So that's my sad and glad. Mad was actually just watching the whole foray with Wiley. It was, it was maddening. For me, sad, Taylor still... Still, 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 it's very sad. I don't really have a mad, actually. So I'm going to have two glads. One is that my mate Donai was uh, one of the hosts for the UK, the first UK um, Afro Beach chart on BBC One Extra, along with Eddie Caddy and Ada Shopper and Pete Montana, and it was really cool. And second is that Black Pound Day is coming again on the 1st of August. So I'm happy for that. It is, it is, it is. So I've got two sads. First sad is just, it's literally me being a petulant child. I got FOMO because my girls are going out on Sunday and I can't go because it's my mum's birthday. No, Ooh. you shouldn't be happy. See, that's making me sad. She's happy that I'm not going to be there. Where are you going? They're going to brunch. And I can't go because mum's birthday. And it's making me really sad. It makes me feel like I'm 10 because imagine telling your mum that I'm not coming for your birthday because I'm going to get drunk with my girls. I Ooh. cannot. So I feel really Ooh. sad. Um, and just got FOMO. But the other thing is, I'm sad because we didn't talk about it last week. I stayed up to watch DMX and Snoop go head to head. It was wonderful. It was brilliant. But every single lyric, pretty much, is detrimental to our community and me as a black woman. And I'm very, very sad that I love, love, loved it. And I love the lyrics. And I feel really bad as a woman and sad that this is where it is, that ain't no fun if the bitches can't have none. Oh. Yeah, All you know, yeah. the niggas can't have one actually. Yeah. Sorry, I got the words wrong. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. The words are so terrible. But it was such a joyful, joyful verses. I'm conflicted and I hate that it made me feel some type of way as much as I really enjoyed it. And I'm sad because when I woke up, I was tired because I should have no business staying up till God knows hour listening to mis- misogynistic lyrics. <laughs> Anywho, mad. Because for some reason, I'm getting some sort of reaction on my shoulders. I keep getting these kind of rashes on my shoulders and I don't know why. It's making me mad. And glad... I've been sticking to my not eating nonsense regime, being really good. Comes to the evening when I'm full. I don't try and force crisps on top of the fullness. I leave myself at full from a cooked meal and that's it. And I've been good. And I think it's helping because the hamburgers that I say are on the back of my back. <laughs> you <laughs> still saying that? Yes. They were quarter pounders and now they're single patties. No, come on. <laughs> 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 Hopefully, I'll have vegan burgers. <laughs> That's my glad. <laughs> I can't say that. I can't, because they're my burgers. I got fucking they're mine. <laughs> Big quarter pounders. Um, I am glad about Versus, because I stayed up, and I'm with you, Auntie AK. Like, when Ain't No Fun came on, I sang that at the top of my lungs. 
and it is a problem and it's like biggie's got some tunes as well and i say mm. that and, I, and it, 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 it is a problem so i'm conflicted there i'm also glad that 50 cent came out and apologized to meg the south you know he said he oh, said that he? He, yeah he did he did he came oh. out and he said that when it first started coming out he didn't think it was real he thought it was just like an outrageous thing that people were saying so he put out a meme and he said that now that I know that it's real and you were genuinely hurt I apologize I'm sorry and I would I don't want you to be hurt and I hope you get well and I really really thought that was good and it made me glad I am <laughs> mad that Donald Trump is still allowed to say this shit how come the police ain't going to his door and he's just exactly. chatting shit exactly. with right. his orange skin and his white eyelids like a, and his, <laughs> I, I, just, I don't get it I don't get it I don't get it I don't get it it's a hundred days until the election I don't get it I just want to say I'm mad because you're not trying to make me like 50 cent on the sly. I really appreciate that he apologised. <laughs> so I'm glad that he's reconciling certain things about his character. I'm mad. I don't want to be his friend. Also, I do need to add about 50. Like last week we were saying all this stuff about his son and things like that. Now, we do need to remember that his son is an adult who has said some stuff which children also shouldn't say about their parents. Right. It's not like 50 just came out and started chatting shit about his son. Obviously, they have a tumultuous relationship that they need to work on. And as far as I know, from what I've read, 50 has tried to engage with his son and his son has rejected it. Yes, Auntie AK, I'm aiming this at you. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But we I can talk about we it. said ages ago we were going to talk about fifty, and we didn't. Uh, yeah, let's do that next week. Then. Another time. Let's bring it up next week. Let's talk about yeah. it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Trying to make me Ooh. like the brother. Hello. Mm, okay. It is what he's it is. He's all right. He is. He's. he's the thing is, I probably he's, would get he's a problem, problem, but he's all right. I probably yeah. get on with him in real life. He's a cancerian as well, so we're watery together. So we'll probably fair joke. However. Before we go, I just need to say one unpopular opinion, right? Was well, an unpopular thing. What I don't like, I done my own hair, yeah. It looks um, it's very long. Thank you so much. Gorgeous. Thank you. And I done it myself uh, because of Corona, and also because when I get my hair done, I don't like the hairdresser to tell me to pick the hair. I can't ah. freaking stand it. I want to go when I get my hair done. I want to be pampered. I don't want to be involved in the process. I just want to sit there. You know, if you tell me to turn my head, I'm going to turn my head. I'm fi- Do you know what I mean? I don't want to pick the hair. It's not my job. It's not my job. It's your job. It's your Thank job. you. Thank you. Thank you. And shout out to Aisha's Angels, because when I get my hair done by Aisha, she does it for me. I'm like, Andre Okay, we have to pick it and pick it and pick. Get me. Shout out to Aisha. Bad girl. That's all. That's all. Did you talk about me behind my back? No. <laughs> On behalf of all hairdressers, independent hairdressers who don't have the resources, have someone to help them. And if they want their clients to leave, at a, if the clients want to leave at a decent time, it actually is really helpful that you do this. I understand that you like to sit there and be pampered. Unfortunately, not all hairdressers have the resources to be okay. that. Okay, two things, yeah. You're giving a big old long explanation, yeah? And this is not meant, this section is not meant for that. I know, I'm just It's true, it's true, it's true. I just had to go, I know that father said something about me. And I know, I mean, it hurts. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. 
If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. <laughs>